Uh, good morning. Great to have you here today. My name is Pastor Brad, senior pastor here at First Baptist. If you have a Bible, open it up to John chapter 6. If you have a phone, go ahead and just swipe that open as well to John 6. We're going to talk about one of my favorite passages in all of the Bible. Um, it was one that was a favorite of the disciples as well as the contemporaries of Jesus as well. And the reason I know that is because this is one of the two um, uh, miracles that Jesus performed that are in all four Gospels. So, hey, the next time you go on Jeopardy and Alex Trebek asks you a question, which I guess is more of an answer and a question kind of format, however he does that, and you need to give the answer back to him, and he says, uh, name two uh, miracles that are in all four Gospels, you will know one of them is what? There you go, John 6, 1 through 4. You even know the reference. It's the feeding of the 5,000. That's what we're looking at today. Does anybody know what the other miracle that are in that is in all four Gospels? Anyone? Anyone? It'll, it'll, it'll make you $400,000 perhaps on Jeopardy. No? When I t- say it again? The resurrection. I think she heard that first service. Yes, the resurrection is the only other one which some of you said, hey, that's no fair. Was that really one Jesus did? Yeah, that was a miracle, right? Right? But the ones that he performed, um, really, that is the only one. The one we're talking about today, the feeding of the 5,000. And then I like to include the resurrection, obviously, as well. But let's look at this. John chapter 6, starting with verse 1. It says, after this. Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. And now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then, and seeing that a large crowd was coming towards him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? And he said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. And Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to eat even a little One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. Um, But what are they for so many people? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Jesus then took the loaves And when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, Gather up the leftover fragments, that nothing may be lost. So uh, they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets of fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, This is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. 
Let me give you a few thoughts on this passage uh, and why this passage stands out so much to me as well as some of the disciples and obviously the gospel writers and then relate it to where we are as a church here uh, today. Um, the first point is this. Now, I know I don't have any fill-ins on your outlines, but it is not a pointless message, all right? You can put that points down. I'll cue you on it. The first one would be this, that when we read Scripture we see Jesus moving and acting, that we know God is always up to something. God is always up to something. He's usually, though, just waiting for us to get on board with what he is doing. And we see this happening in verse 5. In verse 5, we see that Jesus is looking at the crowds, and he sees all the crowds are coming. And so he says to Philip, he said, Phil, uh, where are we going to buy the bread so that these people may eat? And you have to imagine him saying this with a gleam in his eye because of what John says that Jesus already knew in verse 6 because it says he said this to test him. For he himself knew what he was going to do. He already knew the the steps that he was going to take. He was just waiting for the disciples to get on board. He was waiting for others to come along and partner with him. Three years ago this fall... I stood before you as a church family, and I said, First Baptist, uh, we have to be more serious and more intentional about paying down the debt that we have on the ministry center and the children's building so that we may be free to look forward for what God wants to do next. Not knowing what God wanted to do next or when God wanted to do it. Just knowing that we as a church body had to move faster, move quicker, because we had sensed God wants us to continue to pay this down. And so three years ago, the fall of 2015, we had a $3.3 million debt on the ministry center that's on El Dorado and Fulton Street, our north part of our campus, as well as the children's building. And we know they were wise investments. That children's building built in 2004 has ministered to so many families. We have seen so many people ministered to, come to know the Lord, to grow up in that building. You'll see a testimony of that just a bit here on a video, Um, but understanding that those were wise, wise investments, but we knew that we wanted to pay that debt down faster, and so we began what we called the 2020 Vision Free to Look Forward campaign, understanding that when we paid that quicker, we know that God would move and be up to something else for us to do, and I'm convinced that there was no way we could have, we could be here today in this building if we would not have been serious about paying that um, debt off. And, and, and even though we did not pay it off, God moved probably even quicker than we thought he would because we were obedient to saying, yes, we're going to take those steps to radically pay that off in a much faster way. And you think about it, uh, verse 5, um, the question there that was posed, where are we to buy bread for all these people to eat? I'm sure that some of you, even back in 2015, said, you know, how are we going to, you know, be able to park in a place like this after we became available, uh, excuse me, after the community center became available and we became aware of that, still having some debt that we were paying down to say, you know, if we don't purchase that, how would we be able to park? How would we be able to grow? How would we continue? 
continue to be able to expand if God does not come back for decades and decades and decades to come. We wanted to be ready for that. And what we look back now and say is that God was already up to something three years ago when he moved on our hearts to say, yes, let's start paying this down quicker so that we are ready to go when God is ready for us to move. He was just waiting on us to say, yeah, I'll get involved. Yes, I'll give. Yes, I'll sacrifice. Yes, I'll be maybe a little bit more uncomfortable in some of my personal needs. Yes, I'll I'll give up a little bit here. Yes, I'll work a little bit more over here. Yes, I'll give so that others can be fed, not 5,000 people being fed, as we're going to discover here in just a bit, but so that people can be spiritually fed in the city of Stockton. And I know many people said $3.3 million. That feels like a lot. What can my little do? Kind of like the question that you see in verse 7. Go back to the text where it says, Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. That's, that's basically 200 uh, days of working, a day's wage. 200 of that. Put all together. That's not even going to allow people to fill their stomachs, Jesus. What are you talking about here? We, 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 we don't have a lot to give to them. So how is this going to happen? Look at verse 9 says, there is a boy here who has five barley loaves. He's got two fish, but again, the doubt creeps in. But what are they for so many? I mean, that's just a little bit for all that is out there. And isn't it interesting, isn't it interesting that it's the generosity and faith of a child that God uses first? Because God's asking for us to personally get involved. God's asking for us to take a step. God's asking for us to have a, a faith sacrifice. And when God is asking for us to get involved, here's another point that you can write down on your paper. When God asks us to get involved, it's going to get personal. Something needs to give. It, it, it's not just, you know what, God, I'll give you a little bit off the top. No, it, it's something that cuts close to home. It's something that maybe kind of inv- invades our comfort zone. Uh, the boy maybe was given lunch by his mom. Here you go. And he knew he didn't have a lot. He knew that he was going to be able to eat a little bit, but not a lot. And if he gave it up, what was he going to eat? See, what God wants us to accomplish through sacrificial giving is increased dependency upon him. Because God wants all of us. That's ultimately what he is interested in. He's not interested in just part of us. He's interested in all of us. I, I was reminded of this a few weeks ago when I had a friend come up to me and said, Okay, Pastor Brad, I am ready. I'm, I'm giving up kind of some other stuff that I have been doing. I am ready to be a pig for Jesus. And I looked at him and I said, Ah, pig for Jesus. That doesn't sound really good. Tell me about that. What do you mean? He's like, Remember you used to talk about this. Um, uh, and, and so let me share this with you in case you forgot. That the next time you sit down to breakfast and have bacon, and eggs, understand that that chicken just gave you a little bit, right? Just gave you an offering. They can do that every day. It keeps it coming. But that pig gave you his life. Everything. It's all been given. He's dead now so that you can enjoy your bacon, right? Everything. 
That's the way God wants it from us. He he doesn't want just a little bit of drip, 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 a little bit off the top. He wants everything. And when we talk about sacrificial giving, it is not just some type of percentage that we're talking about giving. We're talking about our lives that we give, our time, our talent, our treasure, the things that we think about, the things that we do. That's what God wants more than just a little bit of here and a little bit there. He wants us. Think about the story of Abraham and Sarai how they wanted a child so desperately. That, that desire for that child was huge. But was it more important than God? Some of you are in careers that you love or you're growing towards a career that you want to get involved with. Just talking with someone this year or uh, just this week who was shifting his career to a different profession, was hired up in Sacramento area um, and, and, and has a great opportunity. Um, it's huge. Our careers, we, 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 they provide for us. But are they more important than God? Some of you are single here today. And you know you'd love to be married at some point in time. Maybe you've been divorced or maybe your spouse uh, uh, passed away. And so you're a widow or widower. Um, you have a desire to have that friendship and have that. But is it more important than God if God says not yet or maybe not in this season of life or not at all? Some of you are in academics, you're in school. Uh, some of you are in sports or popularity, social, uh, social life. Is it more important than God? As you sit around the table on, on Thursday, uh, maybe there's some family members that you don't get along with. Maybe there's others that you are very thankful to be with. And you say, God, thank you, but if they weren't in my life, is that Okay. If I was called to go somewhere and to serve you in a different land or a different city, would that be all right? Is my service to you more important? Maybe some of the comforts you have in your life. Maybe your, your leisure life. Maybe your lattes, your mochas, right? Those are important to us. Not really, but, but some, for some of us they are. Uh, is it more important than God? And I say that, stepping on a few toes here, because if you look and you say, is it more important than God? I don't know. For some of you, you probably spend more money on your mochas and your lattes than you do on God. Just keeping it real. What's more important to us? And it's not just about a dollar amount as well. It's about saying, God, um, my desires, my thoughts, my waking days, how can I serve you in a greater way? How can I give to the people that you love? How can I sacrifice? This last month, I was with a gentleman who comes to our church, and we were talking a little bit about the 2020 campaign. We went out to lunch, and I knew he had been a generous giver to the campaign three years ago. I didn't know what he had given overall, but I just knew that he had made a great commitment before, and so I just wanted to follow up with him to see how that was going and to talk to him about going forward because we're asking this, what I'll share here today, um, if you've been giving towards that, to say, could you give for one more year before we start another campaign in the year 2020? And so I sat across the table and I talked to him about that. And he said, well, let me, let me pray about things. I said, great. I, I'd love for you to do that. I appreciate that. Um, and he said, Pastor Brad, you know, um, I give 80% of my income to the church at First Baptist. I said, What? He said, yeah, I, I just, I prayed about this before. In fact, when we had the last campaign, I prayed, God, what do you want me to give? And he rose me up to that level because I had already given a lot before. And so I give so much to the campaign, but I also give so much to the other ministries of First Baptist. It's just because God has told me to do that, and I want to be obedient to him. And he just put me, he, man, he checked my spirit because I go around thinking I'm giving a lot to God because it's more than a tithe. But 80%? Wow. 
I mean, that's one big pig for Jesus, right? He gives a lot. But it's not even the amount he gives. It's because he loves Jesus. Jesus has everything. He's got his heart. That's what he gives most of. Most of his, his heart. And out of that spills his finances and his time and the things that he does. The words, it's going to get personal, mean different things to different people. And so let me meddle for just a bit, maybe in areas that are not finances. Um, Perhaps God's not calling you to give up something sacrificially financially, but maybe it's uh, that he doesn't have all of you personally yet. And so maybe there's an area of your life that you've been holding back. Maybe it's alcohol. You, you know you drink too much. Say, so oh, I'm just trying to take the edge off, and it grows, and it grows, and it gets bigger, and it gets bigger, and it gets more and more. And you know you've been walking down that path. Maybe it's drugs. Maybe you've been smoking marijuana, and you're thinking, you know what? It's legal now, so I can do it, but is it God-glorifying? I don't know. Is killing brain cells very glorifying? Probably not. So we need to rethink that. We need to check that. Maybe it's a a sexual addiction that you have. Maybe it's pornography. Maybe it's food. You've been over uh, Thursday. We've got to be aware of that, right? But, but, uh, you know, we can do that in moderation. But for some of you, you're saying, you know what? Food has become my king. Maybe it's uh, spending habits that you have and you spend too much and, and you know it. Maybe it's a relationship that you have that you know it's not honoring God and it needs to change. Maybe it's your time. Maybe it's your schedule. Maybe it's your devotional life. I, I don't know what. Maybe, maybe it's even your worship here on Sunday mornings. And it's just been going through the motions. And when the words come up, or maybe, you, you know, you just kind of slide into the seat and kind of like, okay, let's get this going. Okay, then we get the message. Okay, then I'm on to my day. And you don't take the time to seriously say, God, this is your day. It's about you. And I want to focus on you when I worship you. Maybe the elements, the communion time we're even going to have here, maybe you'll be in check a little bit more to say, God, I, I, I want to take those elements and understand fully what you did because I've just been kind of biding my time and I haven't been doing it seriously. I don't know what it is. I don't know what God's asking you to give up, but as he comes close, it comes personal. In fact, there was a girl in the service a young lady, um, uh, last week, and if you were here, you remember we sang the song that says the words, um, he called my name and I ran out of the grave. Um, and Pastor uh, Daniel encourages us, now sing it, shout it loud when that line comes. And the gal said, she said, I am thankful for God's overwhelming grace and unconditional love. She said, today was the first day in a long time that I truly cried out those words. He called my name, and I ran out of the grave. Maybe you haven't been taking that seriously, your worship of God. And today God is saying, okay, come on. I don't want just part of you. I don't want just 50% of you. I don't want just 75. I want all of you. It could be maybe you hadn't gotten into a community groups and you knew you should be a part of those more. Maybe you're not serving as you know that you should. Maybe you're not taking the time to do it as you know you can. It could be something very public. It could be something very private. But you know you're not giving it to God. And yet today you also know God wants all of us. He wants our all. He wants our actions. He wants our finances. He wants our devotion. And so whatever step you're taking today, I hope you'll end this day by saying, God, you've got now all of me. This money is not above you. 
these decisions are not above you. My lifestyle is not above you. Anything I have is rightfully surrendered to you because I want to sacrifice it to you. It's why, as a church, we continue to come to you and say, hey, can you give to the love boxes? And hundreds and hundreds of you have done that. And we are so thrilled. In fact, those love boxes have come in. If you still have a few out, keep bringing them in because we still have needs. And we get them into the hands of Stockton Unified School District teachers and principals. They take them directly to the families that most need those at this thing. Thanksgiving time. Thank you. It's why we, we, we have a whole caring Christmas tree set up out there, and I saw those uh, trees. They're almost bare today. In fact, you might not get one on your way out, but they'll load up more next week because we know there's a lot of needs. Thank you. It's why we come before you and we say, hey, can you help to, to help those who are less fortunate, the Paradise Fires that are going on, to help those people in Chico? Just yesterday, I went down and one of our neighbors, I had heard that they had a son who was up in Paradise, lost everything. I said, how can we help you from First Baptist? I brought him some gift cards and said, this is just a gift. They say, we want to help. God bless you, moving things along and, and trying to get recovered. We, I know many of you do that on your own. We also do it as a church because we want to make a difference. We want to change the city of Stockton. Stockton, the state of California, the country that we live in, the world that God died for by sending his son Jesus. And the only way we do that is because so many of you have come to the place in your life. And if you're new around here, you just got to know this is one of the things that we do around here. We say everything we have is God's in the first place. It is just on loan to us. And one day he's going to ask us, what did you do with what I gave you? You know what? That goes way beyond finances. It goes to our time. It goes to our children. It goes to our grandchildren. In the years to come, perhaps to our great-grandchildren. It comes to our houses. It comes to our cars. It comes to whatever possession we have. It comes to our finances as well. To say, God, you've blessed me with so much. I have so much. I'm blessed to be a blessing. That's why we're able to give the way we're able to give. That's why so many of you are able to sacrifice the way you're able to sacrifice. And if you're not in that place right now, you just continue to pray, God, what more do you want of me? Because it's not just my finances, it's my life. And look, watch. Watch what happens when Jesus has the commitment and the generosity of just one child. Look at verse 11. It says, Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, watch this now, as much as they, what's the word there? As much as they what? As much as they wanted. Now, they weren't longing for anything. God took care of them, as God does. And on top of that, 12 more baskets filled in case they just need a little midnight snack. It was there as well. Why? Because God is always up to something. And he's just wanting us to go, come along. He's wanting us to get involved. And when we get involved, then God moves. Then God works. And a lot of times he waits until we jump in. But you know God's up to something. In fact, let me take you back to this booklet. You have this booklet in front of you. It looks like this. It's your bulletin cover for the day. Open it up to the first page. Let me just walk you through a few things. As I said, three years ago, we started this 2020 Vision Free to Look Forward campaign. 
in so many ways, it has been a wonderful, wonderful success. The words free to look forward, preparing us for what's to come. Um, we have been able to bring in over and above what we've even pledged to, to give in this campaign. And on top of that, another million dollars that we're not even counting in this campaign that went to help beautify this place, to help the screens, the video, the projection, the sound, our courtyard area, the lobby, um, to come is still out in the front of our community center and a walkway going from one place. Uh, uh, over a million dollars donated in that way to say we want this place to be ready and able to minister to God's people until he comes again. I don't know how long that will be. That'll be five days, if that'll be five years, if it'll be 500 years. But God, use us. Let us be faithful with what you've given to us. And so, because we're in the middle of the campaign, did purchase this building. We have, and this is at the bottom of that page on the left-hand side, a $5.6 million debt. But we are in so much greater position to continue to minister to the city of Stockton because so many of you have said, I'm not going to hold on to my finances. I'm going to give. I'm not going to hold on to the bread and the loaves and the fish. I'm going to give that. And so on the next side of the page, you see some of the victories from the 2020 campaign. It's in the yellow box. It says, we paid off the ministry center. That's the property up on the north part of our campus. We were able to reduce the children's center debt from $3.3 million down to about $2.25 million. We raised on top of that another $68,000 to help with our Imagine projects um, that went into such things as investing in marriage, missions, fighting human trafficking. And then at the bottom, we were free to look forward to be in position to purchase the Scottish right property. Turn the page. All of you are in here right now, and so you know what this looks like. The auditorium seating, as well as the new courtyard area, the new lobby area, the new women's and men's restroom. Yes, that's a women's restroom there where no man has gone before. Okay, now you know what it looks like. All right, turn the page. We've already been able to, and I'm just going to skip through a few of these things, baptize 29 people at the first services we had here, another 10 people baptized last week. At that service, we had 32 people raise their hands to say yes to Jesus. Last week, we had another 17 raise their hands to say yes to Jesus. We are thrilled that God is moving in those kind of ways. Over 1,000 people on our campus last year at the Trunk or Treat event. This year, over 1,500 people. What other day of the week can you get about 1,200 people from the community to say, hey, I'll go to First Baptist. That's what it was like. We had about 300 probably of our own people and and probably over 1,200 people from the community that we got to share Jesus with, that we got to be a light before them. Many people even prayed for us. We had a prayer station. Um, We got to do that because of the property that we have here now. In fact, Vacation Bible School at the bottom of the page, we had 91 kids who were sitting in these seats. Actually, not these seats exactly because we've already changed them out, but 91 kids who said yes to Jesus for the very first time right here in this building. That's incredible. Thank you, God, for what you're doing. You see the family picnic, the first responders day, the upper basketball. That's not only in our gymnasium, but also in our banquet hall. Michael Jr., if you were here for that day, you know the fun we had. Go ahead and turn the page. 2019. We believe God has big plans ahead. He says out of Isaiah 43, See, I am doing a new what? A new thing. 
I'm doing a new thing, First Baptist. You see some of those things. We've got a men's conference coming up here in February. Answers in Genesis is going to be speaking here on Sunday morning, as well as to our school kids, as well as Monday night talk. Um, Women's Aspire Conference. They contacted us and said, you have a large enough building to have a conference there. Can we hold one for the city of Stockton for the women? We said, absolutely. And we partner our women's ministry with what they're going to be doing. In fact, marriage and parenting class, Kirk Cameron, his company, has contacted us and said, can we do a conference there? If you don't remember that name, Growing Pains, um, the TV show, as well as uh, Left Behind movie. Um, that was a national movie. Um, if you don't recognize the name, Jordan Felice. Uh, it's because uh, maybe you have heard his songs, but not his name uh, on K-Love or Air One. Um, their company contacted us as well about having a concert over the summertime. And so we, we just look at that and say, God, you are doing some new things in our midst, but please understand folks understand this before I go into the next page there God what all that God is wanting to do in our midst and all that he has been doing does not come without sacrifice in fact some of you who have been around here for years and were here when we started our children's building if you weren't here back in 2001 so many of you if you have kids or grandkids have got the benefit from that but I know Hundreds of you have been here over that time, and you've paid year after year after year after year. My wife and I have given donations to paying off that building every month since 2001, every month, regular basis, because we invest in that. We want to say, God, what you have, what we have, what you've given to us is really yours. We just want to be faithful with it and continue to do the things that allows the city of Stockton to know Jesus. Many of you have done that as well. And so here's what I want to do. I want to connect 2001 to today. Because many of you might not know the story of how it all began. And uh, so we're going to show a video here very shortly, um, interviewing Pastor Jim, uh, the vision that he had for a children's building, seeing how that grew then into this community center as well. Uh, and then after the uh, video, I'll come up and kind of share some more thoughts with you. Um, but let's take a look back at that bridge of how we came from building a children's building to how now we're a part of miracle that God is doing right here on these grounds. So go ahead and take a look. March 6, 1853, that a group of people had a vision to reach people in this community. That vision is still very much a part of our church and all that has happened in its history. Back in 1987, when, when I first came here, um, we had a little debt. We uh, owed some money on the youth center. We had two parcels across from Pastor Brad's office that we had purchased. And um, back in those days, because the church was an older age, um, it was obvious that we were going to build a senior citizen center where senior citizens could live. And uh, shortly after I got here, I said, no, that's not going to be what we're going to do with that property. How, how, did, how did we inspire First Baptist to, one, go into a capital fund campaign to build this amazing 36,000 
square foot facility. Well, number one, God had to change my heart because I didn't want to do a capital fund campaign and I didn't want to build a building. And the minute God changes the heart of the leader, um, that becomes an inspiring story to be able to share that with other leaders in the life of the church. 2001, uh, we had a great vision for uh, building a children's building on the grounds. Uh, seeing that vision of, uh, of a possible school, uh, ch definitely children's ministry, uh, seeing more young families come to know the Lord uh, was great. And so Pastor Jim and I put our heads together um, and said, now how are we going to pay for it? How are we going to bring this about? And uh, he asked me if I would be the co-director of the campaign. Uh, I said I'd be honored to do that. And so we were in charge of raising about $6.5 million dollars uh, of that money for that campaign. The very first gift we got was a dime and a nickel from two little boys who said, we're committed. Didn't realize it would be such a big deal back then, huh? Yeah, we didn't realize it. was just a cute thing. We, we, <laughs> was we, just we didn't know to about be a part the notoriety. Yeah, we had two sons at the time, Daniel was about four and I think David was about two and they had made a commitment to build the children's building and you know we wanted them to be a part of it as well so um, we just wrote a real simple letter and our son Daniel was able to write his name and he attached a dime to the letter and we then had our, been giving an allowance of a yeah, dollar yeah yeah at least a little kids <laughs> and then our son david who was two or three at the time probably and he, he got 50 cents a week he got 50 so he gave a nickel so the dime and the nickel that the hancock boys gave was the seed money 15 cents to build a three million dollar building 15 cents I started in youth ministry here in 1999. And so I had a good five years of doing ministry before the children's building was here on our campus. And we had a lot of space issues. Thinking back on how it was done when I was a child, um, meeting in the parlor and um, the large meeting rooms upstairs in the A building um, is where our Sunday school rooms were. I, I do remember that closets and space were always an issue. And so having experienced it as a child one way, and then being able to do children's ministry as the children's pastor in our new space and facility with a beautiful designated worship room and uh, multi-purpose room and the XF room, and every single class has a Sunday school room. It is such a blessing. And it's not only designated space, but beautiful, modern, engaging space that is so welcoming and inviting to families and for kids to come and to know this was built especially for them. It doesn't look like an adult space that we put children's poster in. This is a kid's space and children and families feel valued because First Baptist has been able to designate time and resources and finances and so many people our church family has given um, over the years to be able to tell families we love you. This is for you. Come and worship here as a church family. 
Oh, it, it's a fantastic place to work. I always tell people that I used to work in the Hobbit Hole. So my classroom actually had, when I was at the previous school, my classroom had a window into the sanctuary. I never even got to look outside. And so to come to work every day is a joy. The fact that we have natural lighting, the fact that it's a safe campus, the fact that we are state of the art, um, we can do everything that we need to do and to do it with excellence because we have such an awesome facility. You know, for, for years, we've, as a staff, as a church, we've walked the grounds of the community center just praying, saying, God, is when are you going to open that door? God, we claimed this property for you. And as we prayed and we prayed and we prayed, we never knew when that day would come. But I can remember the day when I got the phone call. And, and, and I get all kinds of phone calls in the office, but that day that phone call was different. It was from a realtor. They said, hey, are you available in the next few minutes? I'd love to come and sit down with you because the Scottish Rite, um, they're ready to sell. And I remember sitting down and talking with him and, and then afterwards saying, hey, you know what? I, I'm going to meet with our senior pastor. We'll have to talk with our board, talk with our congregation. There's a whole process here. And I can remember walking into Pastor Brad's office. And I remember just looking at him and telling him, hey, uh, you never will believe it, but the Scottish Rite, they want to sell next door. And the timing of it could not have been any worse. I mean, we're in the middle of a capital fund campaign. We've been preaching. We've been living. We've been challenging. Let's get out of debt. Imagine what it would be like the free to look forward where we have no debt at all. And yet in the middle of it, God would plant right there this new idea, this vision. He would show us, hey, you've been praying. You've been praying. You've been praying. You've been praying. And now I'm opening that door. You know, when we started this 2020 Free to Look Forward campaign, we had no idea um, that the Scottish Rite property would become available. But I'll tell you this, um, we never could have purchased this property if we had not stepped out in faith and uh, started to do the campaign. Um, and those words, free to look forward, I think are so fitting now that we were freed up to look forward. We never would have been able to purchase this property if we hadn't started that campaign. And so having that 2020 vision, um, having that mindset um, that the year 2020 is coming, where would we be at that point? Where would we be at that time? Um, because we made those commitments back in 2015, at the very end of 2015, started them in 2016, we were freed up to purchase this property. And now the wonderful things God is doing in our midst, we never would have imagined. So my goal is that people would say, I'm on board, um, that I would love to be a part of this campaign, to continue to give at the rate that I've been giving for the last three years to enable us to pay off that mortgage. Um, and there might even be some new people in our church who have never heard about this campaign, but now is their opportunity to get on board as well. Um, because we know God has got great things in store for us. Uh, and so in this year, 2019, to be able to continue to pay off that mortgage, um, to pay off that debt, and then know in the year 2020 and beyond, uh, God's going to free us up even greater ways to do ministry. I'm excited about that. I'm on board. My name is Angel, and I'm on board. My name is Ahime, and I'm on board. 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 Two little boys who gave a dime and a nickel was the seed money for what we have seen 
done in the children's building and even extending to this place right here today. Let me give you a, a challenge. It's on the back um, page in the uh, program that you have before you. It says, challenge from Pastor Brad. I won't take the time to go all the way through it. We talked a little bit already about the finances that have come in now over and above what we've even pledged. And we ha- still have a couple more months to go. But in bold, here's what it says. It says, would you continue giving through 2019? as a bridge year to a new campaign in 2020. And to be honest with you, that might be short-sighted. That might not have faith in it because God, if he so chooses, could eradicate this debt in our, on our buildings in this next year. I fully believe that he could do that. We are planning that that's not the case because we know how we've been giving. But my goodness, if God lays that on someone's heart and you say, I don't want to hold back on that. I just want to put this before God because I know he wants me to be a sacrificial giver. If that person would step up, those people would step up and say, yeah, I'll be someone who even gives like 80% type of person. My goodness, what God could do with that. I don't want to stop him from that. We're, we're, we're going to pray, but what we're asking for this year is if you're able to give as you have been giving, and maybe you haven't been, and so I'm going to ask everybody to pull this out if you would. It's this little commitment card. You do not have to fill this out and give this today. I would rather you pray about it and see what God puts on your heart. Some of you might say, what if he says 80%? That's what I'm having you pray about, all right? Uh, uh, but we do have an offering basket right there on the wall. It's actually a little a mail slot that you can put it into if you would like. Um, but you could come back next week, come back the week after that. If you are able to do it by the beginning of December, that would be wonderful for us to know going forward for our finances and kind of planning for that here at the church. But you could fill out your name on that contact information and then let me go over the four boxes with you number one would you consider to continue giving through 2019 and if you know how much you've been giving or want to kind of make a commitment there that would be great to know per month secondly would be i or we if you're married have not been giving to the campaign but we would love to start as i said maybe you weren't here three years ago maybe you haven't been aware that we've had a campaign in the debt well this is an opportunity to step in and make a difference number three I or we will give a one-time gift. We know three years ago, many people gave a one-time gift, um, and that's what they gave. It was usually a, a larger gift, and if you'd be willing to do that for another year, that would be a blessing. Or the fourth box on there is I or we are not able to give at this time in 2019, but we will prayerfully consider giving uh, with the next campaign. And if that's the case, that is no problem whatsoever. We simply say, would you pray about it? Would you ask the Lord what he would have you do? Because here's what we know. That we just want to be faithful here at First Baptist, from your senior pastor down to your leadership and diaconate board and all the way through. We want to be faithful what God has given us. And now we see what he has done here. And we know, we know the hundreds more that we can minister to. And we know we are praying that in first service is the 8 o'clock service in the sanctuary. The second service, which is here, which is usually about twice as full as this service. And now this one, that there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of more people who could be in these seats who need to be here. And so whatever that takes, God, we want to say, let nothing stop you from doing that. And in movement from God, the finances that he gives to allow us to continue to get that message out, whether that be more advertising, whether that be staff members, whether that be ministry, whether that be 
just the things that we do week to week to week to week. God, we don't want to stop because you gave your all. We want to give our all as well. And that's why we do what we do because we know we have a God who sacrificed his son Jesus, who gave everything for us, which is the reason we're taking communion today. And so let me just explain to you what we're going to do here because it's the first time we've done it here in the community center. 2,000 years ago, Jesus gathered with his disciples. And as he did, he went into an upper room and he pulled out some simple elements. He pulled out some bread and he pulled out some wine or some juice. And he gave it to those disciples and he said, this is my body broken for you. Take this and eat. This is my blood shed for you. And he took a cup and he gave it to them. And he said, take it and drink. In fact, in John, it talks about how he dipped into the water or into the wine with the bread. That's what we're going to do here today. And so there's two elements on these tables. There's two tables here. There are two tables right there, right behind the walls. There's another one here that's got two stations on it. And then there's two more tables up at the top. And what we're going to ask you to do is when the worship song is going, not everybody has to do it all at once. Just take your time to be able to do that. But over the course of this first worship song that we do, if you can just make your way to the front and come by the tables. And as you come by the tables, you can take the bread, then take the bread and you can just dip it into the dish that has the juice inside of that. And in that way, you'll have the bread and you'll have the juice. And then you can just take that back to your seat. When you go back to your seat, you can take of that after you have a moment or two with God just thanking him for what he has done because he asks us to do this until he comes again to do this in remembrance of him. And so if you're down here on the floor, I'm just going to ask you to make your way out to the back side and you can come up to the sides this way. If you're in the lower half of the balcony area, you can come from the outsides and work this way. Some of you can go to that station. Some of you can go to this station. If you're here in the middle, you can come down the aisles. You can come right here to the middle time. And as I said, there's two different stations here. If you're in the upper part of the balcony, There's stations up at the top that you can make your way up there and then do the same thing again. Grabbing the bread, dipping it very gently about half into the juice, and then taking it to your seat and taking it on your own. A simple act. Remembering what Jesus did for us. A simple act that he did for his disciples to say, until I come again. Do this to remember the sacrifice I gave for you. He gave everything, everything for us. And so today as you come and take these elements, as our band comes and sings a song, and as we join in with the singing as well, you're welcome to go back to your seat, have some time with God. After that, stand, and we will worship together, and we will say, God, thank you for what you're doing in our lives. Thank you for this Thanksgiving season, the many blessings you've given to us. And after you leave and you go home, you thank him over and over and over again. If you'll contemplate and consider what kind of commitment you might make to continue to see God's message go out here from First Baptist Church. Thank you for all that you do. May we continue to serve him in everything and sacrifice everything for him. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Let's pray. God, thank you for what it means to be in your family. Even this act of coming and partaking of this communion, God, we don't have to be a member of this church. We just have to be a member of your family. Having said yes to you, 
Yes, I receive you, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior. Yes, I want to live to glorify you. And God, I thank you for the hundreds and hundreds of people who call First Baptist home, who also say, God, I want you to have everything that you've given to me. That's my life. That's my children. That's my time. That's my talents. That's my treasure, the finances you've given to me. God, we want to give you everything because you have given everything to us. So, Lord, thank you for your sacrifice on the cross that you gave for us. Thank you for what it means to walk in Christ and to know you personally and to know one day when we pass on from this heaven, God, we will be with you in heaven. When we pass on from this earth, we'll be with you in heaven. Lord, I thank you that you have called us also to be on that plan of helping others to know you in a personal way. I thank you for the dozens and dozens of dozens who have said yes to you through our ministry, for the witness that so many in this church have been to family and friends. God, may we continue to do that every step of our lives. And God, even now, as we remember the sacrifice that you gave for us, may it be an act, a spiritual act of worship that we remember your sacrifice that you gave up everything for us, that we might be in relationship with you. Lord, we thank you. And now as we worship and as we come, may you be glorified. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.